Okay, Nicholas, it's, uh, it's a really great pleasure to have you on uh, the Mastercast um, Sales Transformation Series. And um, yeah, really looking forward to the discussion we're about to have. I think before we get started um, into the topic of your research, I wonder if you could um, give our listeners um, some background about who you are, who is who is Nicholas? And a little bit about your 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 history would be great. Okay, well, happy to be here as well, uh, Phil. So, well, I'm uh, I'm turning fifty, like in nine days. Um, oh, congratulations! Most of my life, uh, professional life, uh, working in IT, uh, first for service company, different role, consulting, project management, P and L yeah. management, sales, and so on. Um, and I finally joined the wonderful world of the software vendor. Uh, it was a CP at the time, and, and when we met, um, yeah, and uh, that's uh, that's where I uh, I started to. Uh, well, no, I didn't start it. I continued my journey into exploring uh, transformation project and, and trying to figure out uh, why I was so interested in such uh, such endeavor because that's. I wouldn't say this is the easiest path that you can follow uh, from a professional standpoint, and um, and then I came I came across that uh, <clears throat> wonderful opportunity to join the masterclass, which was aiming at transformation for sales leadership, uh, but transformation as a whole, and, uh, and that was a quite uh, quite a great experience, I must say. That's great. Yes, uh, I mean one of the one of the questions I wanted to ask you because. It seems that um, you you have a personal you know sort of interest in this transformation journey, and I think it comes across a bit that you that this topic of transformation and change is is something that is is part of you, and I, I, I uh, meaning that you have a very accepting approach to transformation. You're very open to it, um, and. Um, I think that comes across a little in some of the observations you, you, you've made about how easy or difficult it is to get transformation inside companies. Um, and I'm interested to know where that might have come from. So what, what, what is it in your, in maybe your, your past life, you know, that, that, that may have influenced your ability to deal with ambiguity or to change or whatever. I'm just wondering if, if you, if you had something about your upbringing that made you interested in this topic of change, well, you know, well, well, the direct answer to your question is: uh, I think I've always been very curious about uh, things, about people, about different contexts, and so on. So, I think during my upbringing, I, I kept exposing me to different contexts, uh, trying to challenge me, trying to discover stuff. So, I. I think I trained myself to be uh, quite um, comfortable in a changing environment because that's what uh, was triggering myself, I would say, in terms of interest and motivation. And 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 really, the, <clears throat> well, during the master, I think I, I fully realized that it was a, a core interest uh, for me. And it, it started, it was all triggered by... If you remember, at some point in time in the master, we are <clears throat> looking at the breathing curve, and there is one exercise where 
uh, everyone in the room was asked to uh, to draw uh, to draw a line on a graph to say how do you react to change and, and to events like that. And I was the only one to uh, draw a straight arrow coming from you know, the, the bottom of the graph and, and up to the up to the right. And so that's where I started to reflect and asking myself whether I was fooling myself in my in the way I'm I'm handling change, or <clears throat> whether I probably had something different, uh, which may be beneficial when you are talking about transformation. So so. Comparing so it's the comparison of your attitudes to transformation compared to some of your colleagues that is that what you were saying that made you yeah. start to question you know is there um is there a particular a bias that you have that you know is it is it real you know is it is it okay so that that's quite interesting um but i i well i suppose my question goes back a bit further than the masters, you know, I just, I wonder whether as a child, for example, you know, we get exposed quite a lot to things that, that hold true to us throughout our life's journey. Um, and, you know, for example, in my case, you know, I spent the first 18 years of my life living two to three years in different countries. And so that gives you an idea, you know, that, that that sort of helps shape your notion of change to some extent and and self-reliance and things like this. And I wondered whether whether your particular attitude has been influenced by things that go even before you kind of started at work. Because I, I can see it's a it's a deep rooted interest you've got in this particular topic. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I can say that there is nothing as exotic as your first 18 years in mine. Okay. Um, I would would say that it's, I've been taught by my parents, grandparents, uh, and put in situation which allowed me to really develop a a very strong sense of self in terms of who am I and what am I doing and why am I doing it, which to some extent, I think is, is is helping when there is a change happening. It's not something that uh, <clears throat> would uh, push me into questioning myself because I know where I stand, and therefore I will just uh, spend my energy rather to to understand what's going on and to take benefit out of it. Oh, yeah, that make makes sense. Yeah, yeah, no, it makes total sense, and I I think. Um... Sort of, it's being comfortable in, in a way, comfortable in your own skin, as we say, you know, and yeah. having a certain reassurance that you know whatever life throws at you, you can to some extent deal with it. Okay, well that's great. I I wanted to ask that question to see um, sort of what might have been some of your very early influences on this particular topic. So let's come to the project that you worked on, and I think you've all you've already started to allude to um at a personal level to your you know understanding your attitudes to transformation compared to others and that that started to trigger your curiosity but you also in the project set the context of this notion of transformation in a in a business sense you know the you know from an organizational point of view from a market orientation point of view 
So I wonder if you could maybe spend a bit of time just maybe coming back to how this sense of transformation, this 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 personal approach links to the topic at an organizational level. Why is it important? You, you mean the way I'm managing transformation or as a general? Yeah, it's, way, it's the way, uh, yes, but looking at it not just from a, personal point of view, but what mark, what forces, what market forces are out there that you, I think that you allude oh. to in your master's research about the reason why this topic you think is so important? Well, I, I, you know, I, I think it's, it's uh, key now for any organization to, to develop its own uh, capacity for transformation because the pace of things, uh, the pace of the world, the pace of the business, is right. the, the, the common the common word you say it's like accelerating. I think that the the stability period are less now than they were uh, than they were before because either there is a new technology or the new uh, there is a new uh, political context or there is a new economical context. Uh, now uh, well, everyone is, is looking at the climate change and that that has an influence on uh, on how organizations are supposed to operate. Uh, we just uh, came out about uh, of those two years of COVID, which had a tremendous impact on the, the way the company were forced to operate uh, due to, to the situation. And it's no longer, I think, possible for any company just to say, well, I am what I am, and this is what I'm going to market with, not considering all those, uh, well, that ecosystem, which is, which, is, which is around them, which has a huge influence on companies. It's not uh, anymore that uh, family business, which grow into a multinational, but it's selling the same product because this is quality and uh, that can exist for 100 years, selling exactly the same thing with the same branding because uh, everything around that is, is changing too fast. And I think you, you um, yeah, it, I, I was sort of quite interested, and maybe we'll talk about that a bit later on about about the pace of change that you alluded to and what some of the interviewees that you interviewed sort of said about the pace and the frequency of, of so-called transformation initiatives is sometimes so overwhelming that it's very yeah. difficult to know how to deal with it. But maybe, maybe we could come back to that um, sort of that, you know, the specifics of your interviews and what you found out a bit, la uh, a bit later on. So, um, so what you've explained has been, you know, that, that within the context of at the time it was SAP that you were working with, you know, seeing waves of transformation and the pace of change and digitalization, climate change, there are all these forces to affecting change. And then, and then right at the beginning of the interview, you talked about this sort of interest in, in how people at a personal level deal with change. Um, and you set out, I think, at the beginning of your project, interestingly, to see if there was a new model of transformation that you might end up building. And I know that you changed that as your project progressed, not so much in looking at creating a new model, like Cotter's model or whatever, you began to explore aspects of transformation, which I think is really, really, really interesting. Um, but what what was it that made you want to start out at the outset 
with maybe questioning, is there is there a new model of transformation that hasn't yet been thought of? You know, what was the what was the driver behind that? Well, there is, there is well, I would say there is several several, uh, several drivers because um, well, as, as I explained in, in my dissertation, uh, I mean I was working for SAP, which which from the start uh, was built as a transformational company. They came on the market, disrupting the market, and they kept evolving, and that's why they're still there. Um, and, and despite that aspect of being a transformational, transformational company, uh, transition from on-prem software to cloud software uh, was quite rough, I would say. And, and the, that transformation changed the customer-supplier relationship that was set. Because uh, when you had SAP, you were buying SAP, you were keeping SAP for 20 years. And more or less, even if we were calling that customer relationship, the customer has to abide by whatever SAPs were, were throwing at them. When you're moving to clouds, customer can change whenever, almost whenever they want. So that, that's a, a very uh, fundamental change. And, and despite undertaking that change, when they try to change the way they are addressing customer and created that program, which at that time was called uh, Customer for Life in terms of creating that trust and, and long-lasting long relationship. Um, some very drastic decisions were taken, one especially impacting the, the team I was managing at that time, where, well, looking at it from a, a pure strategy point of view, the change was the right one. Uh, looking at it from a people point of view and uh, impact on the people point of view, it, it was almost a disaster because we were on the verge to lose very valuable people to the company. Uh, whereas, even if uh, well, any any transformation or change is not a guarantee that uh, everyone will have a better life afterwards, there will be people with better life, someone with no change in their life, and some people that mm. get a little bit disadvantaged for sure. But in that case, they were it was almost a, a finger pointing and a shaming of a particular population which happened to have brought to SAP a very large portion of revenue in the past um, and it took uh, that, that, that realization to me when I look at the value of the team and what we can do in the new model um, I think there was a loss there because that direction was right in terms of strategy but very wrong in the implementation or the way it was implemented where yeah. well, everything was on force to say, guys, you were sitting on the left before, now you're sitting on the right, and if you can be quiet, it would be good for uh, for the company, mm -hmm. which was was, was quite uh, quite uh, quite bad. So, <clears throat> looking at that situation, and during the course of the master, when we we had uh, <clears throat> a lot of uh, reading to do on different topics, including transformation model, um, I, I did realize that uh, there was. Uh, a lot of transformation model, which had uh, all one thing in common. Uh, also, um, all of them are talking about uh, engaging people in the transformation. None of them were addressing the people in the first place in terms of personal aspiration, uh, desire to, to move uh, possible contribution. Yeah. And th that's why I thought, well, maybe I'm smart enough to think about a new model only based on people, the, uh, I would say the result, uh, the result uh, that is expecting in transformation becoming a, 
let's say, a byproduct of the fact that you take care of people and therefore the transformation is made by these guys without you focusing too much on, on the structure or organization or so on. Yeah, I found, I found it really interesting sort of understanding the context of the world in which you were managing that you had both the, ser the service team and the compliance team, I think, uh, or was it the intellectual yeah. property team kind of reporting into you, which I don't think I've ever seen that that matrix before. I don't, I don't think I've seen anyone managing the service business who also looks at intellectual property and you can oh, maybe Side, it, 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 no, but it was two different roles. That's one after the other, not both at the same time. Because oh, not both work. at the same time. <laughs> okay, I was going to say that that seemed like, um, it, in a way, two, 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 you know, two teams being quite tense, you know. One with a legalistic attitude and the other with a customer service yeah. attitude. Okay, so that makes it makes a lot of sense now. Um, but but even so, it's given you some good insights into um, the attitudes of people at a personal level um, yeah. in two different parts of the organisation. Where I suppose the you know the service team, back to your point, it, it was at the life of the customer. You know, sort of focused on giving a great customer experience. But then you had the um, IP team that you'd managed who who were very much safeguarding SAP's interests in, in intellectual property and um, yeah. perhaps holding back sales, you know, because of some of their approaches, which is understandable. Okay, so sorry, that makes some things clearer for me, which I'm glad we've ironed out in, in this particular instance. Um, so um, I think from what you've said, you know, you your, your study, perhaps we could just talk about the, the models that you looked at now which who were the big influences for you in terms of transformation uh or change uh, approaches who are the people that influenced your your thinking and your research uh, well i wouldn't pretend to have been influenced because I, I just looked at the model in order to to be honest, my objective was to can to be able to to draw a line to say, well, this one is flawed because this one is flawed because so I wasn't wasn't looking to be influenced in the first place. Yeah. I was looking to to say, well, where can I find the flaws in all these different models in order to come up with more smarter and and, and, and more uh, and more shiny one. Um, and after a time, looking at well. Different one, and the 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 two that I'm mentioning in uh, in my dissertation are the influence model and cutter. Yeah. But what I realized is, if you look those two those two ones and probably a couple more, uh, you you have the four different family of transformation model, and every single other model can be classified in one of uh, one or maybe two of those families. So they are, they are all working on the same principle and each people who started to look at one model created his own one by rebranding some stuff or changing the order of, uh, of the steps, adding a step, removing a step. And, and so that's where I realized that uh, I should be a little bit more humble and that those guys have been studying transformation for decades before coming out with a, with a transformation model and that I was probably absolutely not, not, uh, I mean, mm -hmm. able to, to, to come up with something new. So that's where I changed the thinking and the reflection to say, well, 
understanding that those models are driving the transformation over the world, which, well, is uh, in majority quite successful anyway, because we are still here and operating. Uh, what can I add to this in order to, to correct uh, what I'm perceiving as a flow in not factoring enough the human factor or the person factor in there? Yeah, I think that's, that's what I found, again, really interesting was the fact that you decided to look at the um, personal factor, which perhaps has not been addressed to the extent you felt it should have been. And I think you really introduced a new dimension uh, to looking at change from, from what I've seen in, in, the, in the research that you've done, which I think is great. And I definitely think, Nicholas, that we can include your, your interest in the emotional side on, on some of our future master's programs as, as a point of reference for people to look at. So I know, I know you mentioned that, you'd like to get it more widely disseminated. Um, but okay, so you, you began to take an interest on the emotional side and um, you then set about interviewing different stakeholders and people in the team um, uh, to get their feedback. And what, I, what I'm interested to know, are, are there any sort of, stand out comments or things that became very clear to you, you know, when you started to look at some of the emerging themes from the interviews that you conducted? Well, the main, uh, the, the main surprise, I would say, in the common pattern that I saw in, in response either with stakeholders within SAP and outside of SAP, uh, was that most of them, vast majority, told me that uh, as a whole, they think that their organization was very good at designing transformation and at the same time, very poor at rolling it out. So the overall work and effort and money spent by companies to design transformation, uh, in the case of SAP, by setting up a, a dedicated group uh, in order to design SAP-owned transformation methodology, uh, is absolutely tremendous, but there is a, <clears throat> a kind of uh, of gap between all that efforts with very smart people thinking about how can we do that within uh, within my organization to when when it comes to uh, to really uh, put it in place and, and engage people into say well this is the new direction for the company this is what we want to do this is why we want to do it and. Most of the time, so the, the very basic question of what, in, what, what is in there for you is not addressed. And therefore, people don't want to go in there because things, well, they, 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 they just stay in their comfort zone to say, well, we've been used to do stuff this way for decades. It worked pretty fine. I don't know why I should work harder in order to learn and adopt a new way because I don't know what's in there for me. I think what so you know what one of the one of the uh, sentences that struck me from your dissertation which which links back to what you've just said in the corporate world you say to which extent do we consider cultural variables when trying to increase the performance of a whole company and what is the impact of not considering these variables and I think I think this is um this is quite an interesting point you know, if you're looking at a transformational project, which is more important? Is it culture or is it strategy? Because you say they spend a lot of time looking at strategy, but then, you know, the cultural dimensions as you've begun to kind of um, look into. 
you know, what builds culture, yeah. I suppose, you've got um, sort of holds that transformation journey up. So it sort of fails an execution. Well, I, well, I think I think we well, you need both. Uh, for you need both. To, uh, yeah. To 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 be to be successful because, well, any transformation starts really by well, having a, a clear view uh, on on where you want to go and why you want to go there. Uh, what yeah. some of the model calls the big opportunity. You know, yeah. This is really the the jewel the jewel of the crown that uh, you want to achieve and and and, and get. Um, and it needs to be solid, documented with, uh, with the proper analysis of uh, the business case, uh, all, all what you need in order to define a sound strategy. Um, yet, when you, you start to want to roll that out, for it to become a reality and the way your people in your company are operating in order to get that, uh, the, the result you're aiming for, uh, culture uh, is is one very important aspect to consider because uh, not every people will act the same way to the same uh, questions or, or I would say guideline given to them in order to say this is now what we will, you will operate. And if you say, you give exactly the same set of instruction to a, <clears throat> to a French or to an Indian guy or to an American guy, you will get three different results, even yeah. if they are doing exactly the same job in the same company. Yeah. Yes, I think I think that's uh, you know that cultural dimension is 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 fascinating. But one of the things when you started to kind of surface some of the the issues links back to um, one of the words that I think came at links back to this word attrition because I think you did some sort of analysis of the you know um, the um, you know the, the 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 word clouds that you can create. Um, could you tell me a bit more ab about that that particular aspect of of um, or how that word sort of sort of influenced your thinking a bit? Well, you know, it's it's probably also linked to, to the context we are operating uh, with now. Uh, I mean, there is opportunity everywhere, and it's uh, never been so easy to change work or to change companies and to, yeah. to go elsewhere. So what probably uh, I would say uh, four decades ago, people would have just uh, you know stopped being motivated at work but stay there, even not uh, with no interest. Now they just move on, and they, they don't wait. You know, that's part of the acceleration of the of the pace of things. Uh, they don't. They don't. If you don't pay enough attention, they don't wait for you to get the time and make the time to talk to them to say this is what is uh, in there for you in that project. Uh, they just say, well, nothing has been explained to me. I don't feel engaged. This is uh, nonsense, that kind of transformation. Well, I know that company over there. My uh, my friend uh, from 10 years is over there. Let's go there. Right. And that's, and, and it, it was a, you know, it was a pattern uh, when, when I discussed and did my interview with uh, all the people either inside my organization or outside that, um, if you handle transformation wrongly, then you're losing a whole lot of very valuable people just because yeah. you didn't pay attention to them. To it. Yes, I, I'm struck by some of the quotes that um, you have, you know, from some of the individuals, which I'm just going to pick out from your dissertation. And there may be others, but the ones that um, it, um, 
you know, the, the ones that I'm just going to pick out, um, people always seem to th think that it's too much and too frequent. The, feed, the feedback is consistent regardless of the number of changes. So this is the, the pace of change so, so much has an impact. But I, I think this is um, the following paragraph. You talk about changes designed by smart people with a strategic view, but no operational experience. And you said the organization is sometimes moving too fast for the individual to keep up and find meaning in the changes. There's a lack of live my life by the people who design the change. I, I find that quite interesting. It's it, sometimes you hear the term, you know, there are people in the ivory tower who put together the, uh, the McKinsey kind of model for transformation. And then it's left with the organization to implement people thinking, oh my, yeah. My goodness, um, how, how do we do this? And it's not easy. It really isn't easy, I think, for many people to deal with change. Can I just ask, when you were getting this feedback from the, your interviewees, were you, were you surprised at all at the emotional challenge that many people had to do with change? Um, because uh, I come back to the point we, you made earlier, because I think for you, change is part of your life. You're curious. You like to push the boundaries. Um, but were, were you surprised a little at the intensity of feedback you got from others about about the negative aspects of, of change? Um, well, I wouldn't say surprised. Um, okay. the, the, the thing I had to... I had to fight not to get too biased when I was getting the feedback yeah. and, and really make sure that I get uh, everything that they meant when they were throwing that and capturing the emotion as well. Um, was to fight my aspect to say, well, uh, in, confronted to that, I would say, so what? I have other opportunities or I have opportunities there. So I had to fight that so what and to listen deep, you know, really carefully to what they were saying because that so what is making all the difference between being comfortable with change whatsoever or being impacted by it, even if it's just one change in one year and not too many as yeah. some of them reported to say, well, there is too many changes in the company. So, well, yes, but there is only one in the last two years impacting you. So one is not too many. And that, that, that could have been the bias that I uh, went to. Okay. So <clears throat> it was more... Uh, would say a struggle to uh, try to uh, to stay unbiased in the way I was collecting the information rather than being surprised by yeah. the feedback. Uh, you know, most of the guys interviewed are aware, um, are either the people from my team or people were aware of the transformation and were impacted as well. Yeah, uh, and therefore I, I I have heard from them already that kind of feedback. So uh, not the first time I was hearing it when I, I did the interviews for the master. Yeah. Yeah, so we, yeah, so, so we've been talking a little there about this sort of notion of change, and uh, that's one of the five sort of emergent themes that came from your project. You had change, you had commentary on transformation itself, you had commentary on people, communication was a fourth area, and then and then management. So I think what we've just been talking about is this this notion of of change. So it might be interesting to sort of move on to um, transformation. And I'm, I was quite interested with, with your comment as, as regards transformation is that 
you make the comment here is that whilst you've got a requirement for transformation, their frameworks will stay quite stable. So this is the way in which people respond to transformation. Now, their mindset, their belief systems don't necessarily change according to what may be required in the transformation. So I think that that comes about, you know, back a little bit to the Simon Sinek, you know, why, you know, commentary, it, you know, people don't really buy into the why, then perhaps they can't make the emotional connections that are required for a true transformation to take place. I don't, I'm, I've, I've done a bit of rambling on that one, but I, I don't know if that's something that, um, that, that, that you would agree that, that, well, you obviously talk about it as, as being an important theme. Yeah, well, I, I think so, Phil, because even if it's, uh, if it's obvious when you, when you state it, uh, I mean, a lot of people don't understand that in the transformation, a, a butterfly is not a better caterpillar, it's something different altogether. Yes. And when we, when you introduce change to your team or at a corporate level, if you don't engage with people, since they don't realize that what they're expecting is something better in the same context. Yeah. Which is not what you're trying to do because, well, if we look at what is happening to the software industry with that uh, tremendous wave of the clouds, uh, the hyperscaler and all the technical, technological changes, um, one can argue that we are still selling software, um, but the customer relations, the way you sell it, the way you have to keep the customer loyal to your company, uh, have nothing to do with what was done 30 years ago. Yeah. So, well, it's still sales, it's still software, it's still customer relationship, but altogether this is something completely different. So the only way to have people embracing uh, the new way of working, the new strategies, the new positioning is to engage them day one in making sure they understand why we are doing it and what is expecting from them uh, in that new model. And I would say on that, uh, I would say part of the continuing journey after after the master, mm. uh, still reflecting on, on the topic, um, we have to to make sure that they clearly uh, get a clear mandate on what they need to do and what they, the way they can operate. And if that mandate is not clear, and it's only a set of instructions to say, for that particular part of your job, this is how I want you to work, but I didn't, I don't redesign the whole mandate that they are supposed to operate in, it won't work either because they're just uh, looking at you as a, you know, a process, uh, a process changer yeah. or a, yeah. The process fiddler to say, right, the process was called A, it's now called B, and I'm very confident you will follow B, not understanding why. Yes, I, I think you refer to, I mean, of uh, people and communication, and you talk about the importance of having this continuous questioning approach, you know, during the change process. And uh, I'm also interested in this, you know, you, you're constantly challenge or exploring topics as, as regards to the personal approach to transformation about, you know, what's your point of view on this and how does your point of view on this influence what you might need to do in a different way, you know, thinking differently about um, 
about you know what's required of you and i guess that people and communication those two themes come you know they're quite closely linked aren't they you have to win hearts and minds but if you don't communicate with with people um and it's interesting you sometimes you know talk about the fact as far as communication is concerned for change it comes it can sometimes be there's too much communicated you know, that people maybe overact. Could you explain a bit about that? And what, why, why, why you felt on the, you know, what, what, why communication was mentioned that you you can have too much in some cases, because uh, it's normally the other way around. People lacking. Yeah. Saying, well, you actually have to get it right. You know, but yeah, I, I, I think there is probably the two bias. It's uh, you know keeping the transformation secret because we don't want it to leak outside, or we don't want people to get too worried. But people know that something is happening and growing, and all in a sudden they receive a uh, new direction. And that's too less communication. The opposite of the spectrum is, uh, well, the guy or the team in charge of transformation say, well, we need to communicate to, uh, to our people because they will be impacted by the transformation. And, uh, and you receive a, a newsletter every day and a 80 PowerPoint presentation every week in order to give you the status. And that's too much. There is an overflow because people don't are not engaged by receiving just information pushed to them. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the whole point of uh, well introducing in any kind of transformation process model, uh, whatever you call it, uh, the feedback loop with the people engaged in the transformation or potentially impacted with their mm. transformation is to make them part of the project. Which doesn't mean that you will change the strategy of the of the company because a group of people think that uh, we are heading in the wrong direction. But at least they've been listened to and provided feedback on their on their ideas on what can we take on, what we can't take on, and why can't we take on. Mm. The benefit of doing that is also on the communication side that you mentioned that you that allow you to provide continuous communication in a manageable volume for uh, any human being rather than showing a, a block of presentation or web page uh, to, yeah. to show what good we are doing there. Yeah. Yeah. So you talk, yeah. So it's very much, a, you have to reach people at a hearts and minds perspective and change. It's quite, quite interesting that you, you did say that you felt that you didn't need to create a new model at the beginning, but I must say that as I, the more I start to talk to you about this and, uh, the more I think perhaps you can create a new model um, based on uh, this uh, personal emotional journey uh, that you've begun to outline. This, this might become the subject of your PhD, uh, Nicholas, uh, maybe. Too little time to do on the master's dissertation. Yeah. Um, but one of the, the observations that you made as you started to look of the list of reasons why people resist change of the 10 items nine of them relate back to emotion in some way yeah, yeah. what i took from uh, from rosabeth's most counter you know i think that what you've outlined there is really you know you make you could say it's quite obvious but but actually i think it's quite insightful and and perhaps people haven't in their own mind for I mean clearly because so many transformation projects don't succeed, you could therefore surmise that what, what you know, what are people missing? And it may be this emotional 
um, aspect of change is the bit that's really missing. And perhaps that's not clearly enough articulated or explained in in the change models, you know, with the degree that you've now started to explore, you know, um, amongst these five themes. So in a way, you know, you could have a change model based on personal transformation rather than organizational transformation, which is where the Cotter model, for example, comes from. Well, well, you know, that, that's also the uh, reason why I, I didn't start to try to design a new one, besides the fact that probably in the course and the duration of a master, it was impossible to achieve efficiently, yeah. is most of the model, not to say all of them, are deeply talking about people engagement and the importance to create the right group with all the different levels in the organization in order to, to have people, uh, I would say, uh, embarked into the transformation project. The, the bit which is missing, and, and, and that's where that, that's why I came to just add, try to say, well, I can add a layer to every existing model which make them more efficient, is uh, you know, taking the temperature of the guys that you are impacting to, to see if they are still embarked besides the fact that they've been asked to participate and, and they may be showing to meetings, but they are not actually participating because they are just presenting information. Yeah. And they are not asked what they think about it and uh, what they would do in the, in the same situation. So that's two basic questions that, that you can ask, which it's probably a little bit of positive manipulation, but will make people feel uh, recognized in the values they can bring in the project. And, and that's where probably most of those uh, seven uh, seven items, which are linked to emotion, well, won't disappear, but will be tamed enough uh, in order not to impact too much the adoption of the new model and, and the fact that uh, people will will really uh, you know, work hard in order to make it work. Mm. And 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 I think the other side of the coin, talking about emotion, is. Uh, in, in companies where there is great leaders, uh, when there is a new strategy coming up and uh, the whole communication pack uh, rolled out with all the roadshows and so on, these guys are so passionate about what they explain, you know, believing in their core that this is the right thing for the company, the right thing for their employee and so on, that they, and they're so emotional that they don't see or feel the emotions of the guys in front which say, well, I think this is bullshit and uh, there is nothing for me there. <laughs> See, <laughs> I think that's very funny and and very, very kind of honest. Uh, and so I, I I definitely think it's a topic we should you know should continually to continue to be explored and researched. Um, interestingly, a number of our students have taken this topic of change and transformation and done their final thesis on it. And uh, there's one, uh, co not colleague of yours, but someone from a, a company, Royal Caribbean, who has created a change model based on personal change. It's not written. Uh, and, and he will be on a podcast after yours, Nicholas. So what we are anticipating is that there will be maybe a trilogy of podcasts based on the work that our students have done, all examining this notion of transformation through slightly different lenses. 
Uh, so I wanted to share this with you because I think it's um, the fact that you've gone down this route on dealing with emotion. This other colleague um, has, tr has, has approached it more from a process point of view, uh, less from an emotion. So I think these connected dialogues, I think, will enrich this whole topic of transformation, which is the whole beauty about I think the the master's programs and what it can what it can generate in this body of knowledge um and i I will after this call, I will of course um you know make you sure that you are aware of this other piece of work that's going on. you might be interested so but before we kind of finish, I think we've got ten minutes or so um is that since you've done done the master's project, you've obviously left SAP and you've now joined a new company. To what extent have your learnings from the master's dissertation sort of, how many of those have you been able to sort of apply within the context of the new organization that you're in? Because I, I imagine that you're having to deal with transformation and change very much in, in the organization you're now working with. And I think you spoke about that the other day. So I'd be really interested to know what you know you know how have you managed to leverage your learnings from the masters which was now some years back completed you know has your has your approach changed have you managed to kind of take a more considered view perhaps in some of the cha management challenges you faced in your new mm -hmm. role as well yeah well you know what my answer to that, I can answer that I, I leverage most of it, or not, not, if not all of it. I think it's a, it's a little bit more profound what um, what happened after after the master, because the, the whole journey of that master, uh, I mean, it's not just a course. Uh, you know, it's been two years and a half uh, of my life working and, and studying and reflecting. And I think that in that journey, uh, studying transformation, I did transform myself as well. And uh, most, not to say all of the tools, practices, uh, way to uh, think of things, have um, been merged into uh, the practices that I had as a manager or as a leader. And, and therefore, it's um, like we say in, in French, I don't know, it's from a Molière play, which like Mr. Jourdain, I'm, I'm doing transformation without knowing it, <laughs> just because it's my now natural way to approach things. Yeah. And when it doesn't work, uh, that journey of the master uh, just triggers, say, well, if it doesn't work, you probably didn't reflect it hard enough uh, mm. on the topic. So you need to stop. Uh, make a make a break. Look at the situation from different angle. Talk to people who, who uh, already had that experience yeah. or are in the same company in order to try to understand where is the missing pieces or what is wrong pieces you take on in approaching the situation. So <clears throat> I don't know if that answers your question, Phil. But well, uh, I th no, I think it is very true. We do hear that from so many people that um, where. You know, you've got you've got the obviously the top the, the the topic of your final dissertation, which is a more intense project than the other ones, is is obviously a source of huge learning. 
But for me, the biggest learning of the masters is this ability to critically reflect, you know, to to be able to, like you say, use those models that you've used throughout the whole master's journey to stop um, you know, that action based research. To, you know, you're, you're seeing yourself as a researcher, even though you're not researching and you're not on any master's programs at the moment. But having that sort of mindset of critical investigation, I think, is one of the huge uh, benefits of, of, of the master's program from what I can see uh, that, that people have said. So I think you've just endorsed that, you know, that point of view. Um, well, that's great. I think, Nicholas, that takes us pretty well up to the end of the, of, of the podcast. So um, I don't know if there's anything I haven't asked you that I should have asked you. Is there before we say goodbye or is there... Are you sitting there no. thinking, Phil, uh, why didn't you ask me this question or, or not? No. No, 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 no. I think we could, we, we, we covered a lot of ground and uh, pretty we much did. everything that, uh, that I had right there. Okay. Well, I, I just want to say a huge thanks uh, for your time and giving us and the other master's students the benefits of your sort of reflections. I'm sure they're going to find it really, really um, hmm? helpful and insightful.